Chapter One and Two of Sintram and His Companions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Sintram and His Companions by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet. Translated by F. E. Burnett. Chapter One. In the high castle of Drontheim, many knights sat assembled to hold counsel for the wheel of the realm and joyously they caroused together till midnight around the huge stone table in the vaulted hall a rising storm drove the snow wildly against the rattling windows all the oak doors groaned the massive locks shook the castle clock slowly and heavily struck the hour of one then a boy pale as death with disordered hair and closed eyes rushed into the hall uttering a wild scream of terror he stopped beside the richly carved seat of the mighty Bjorn, clung to the glittering knight with both his hands, and shrieked in a piercing voice, Knight and father, father and knight, death and another are closely pursuing me. An awful stillness lay like ice on the whole assembly, save that the boy screamed ever the fearful words. But one of Bjorn's numerous retainers, an old esquire, known by the name of Rolf the Good, advanced towards the terrified child, took him in his arms, and half chanted this prayer. O oh, father, help thy servant. I believe, and yet I cannot believe. The boy, as if in a dream, at once loosened his hold of the knight, and the good Rolf bore him from the hall, unresisting, yet still shedding hot tears and murmuring confused sounds. The lords and knights looked at one another much amazed, until the mighty Bjorn said, wildly and fiercely laughing, "'Marvel not at that strange boy. He is my only son, and has been thus since he was five years old. He is now twelve. I am therefore accustomed to see him so, though at the first I too was disquieted by it. The attack comes upon him only once in a year, and always at this same time. But forgive me for having spent so many words on my poor Sintram, and let us pass on to some worthier subject for our discourse.' Again there was silence for a while. Then, whisperingly and doubtfully, single voices strove to renew their broken-off discourse, but without success. Two of the youngest and most joyous began a roundelay, but the storm howled and raged so wildly without that this too was soon interrupted. And now they all sat silent and motionless in the lofty hall. The lamp flickered sadly under the vaulted roof, the whole party of knights looked like pale, lifeless images dressed up in gigantic armour. Then arose the chaplain of the castle of Drontheim, the only priest among the knightly throng, and said, Dear Lord Bjorn, our eyes and thoughts have all been directed to you and your son in a wonderful manner, but so it has been ordered by the providence of God. You perceive that we cannot withdraw them, and you would do well to tell us exactly what you know concerning the fearful state of the boy perchance the solemn tale which I expect from you might do good to this disturbed assembly. Bjorn cast a look of displeasure on the priest, and answered, Sir chaplain, you have more share in the history than either you or I could desire. Excuse me if I am unwilling to trouble these light-hearted warriors with so rueful a tale. But the chaplain approached nearer to the knight, and said, in a firm yet very mild tone, Dear Lord, 
hitherto it rested with you alone to relate or not to relate it but now that you have so strangely hinted at the share which i have had in your son's calamity i must positively demand that you will repeat word for word how everything came to pass my honour will have it so and that will weigh with you as much as with me in stern compliance bjorn bowed his haughty head and began the following narration this time seven years i was keeping the christmas feast with my assembled followers we have many venerable old customs which have descended to us by inheritance from our great forefathers as for instance that of placing a gilded boar's head on the table and making thereon knightly vows of daring and wondrous deeds our chaplain here who used then frequently to visit me was never a friend to keeping up such traditions of the ancient heathen world such men as he were not much in favour in those olden times my excellent predecessors interrupted the chaplain belonged more to god than to the world and with him they were in favour thus they converted your ancestors and if i can in like manner be of service of, to you even your jeering will not vex me with looks yet darker and a somewhat angry shudder the knight resumed yes yes i know all your promises and threats of an invisible power and how they are meant to persuade us to part more readily with whatever of this world's goods we may possess once ah truly once i too had such strange sometimes it seems to me as though ages had passed over since then and as if i were alone the survivor so fearfully has everything changed but now i bethink me that the greater part of this noble company knew me in my happiness and have seen my wife my lovely verena he pressed his hands on his eyes and it seemed as though he wept the storm had ceased the soft light of the moon shone through the windows and her beams played on his wild features suddenly he started up so that his heavy armour rattled with a fearful sound and he cried out in a thundering voice shall i turn monk as she has become a nun no crafty priest your webs are too thin to catch flies of my sort i have nothing to do with webs said the chaplain in all openness and sincerity have i put heaven and hell before you during the space of six years and you gave full consent to the step which the holy verena took but what all that has to do with your son's sufferings i know not and i wait for your narration you may wait long enough said bjorn with a sneer sooner shall swear not said the chaplain in a loud commanding tone and his eyes flashed almost fearfully hurrah cried bjorn in wild affright hurrah death and his companion are loose and he dashed madly out of the chamber and down the steps the rough and fearful notes of his horn were heard summoning his retainers and presently afterwards the clatter of horses feet on the frozen courtyard gave token of their departure the knights retired silent and shuddering while the chaplain remained alone at the huge stone table praying chapter two after some time the good rolf returned with slow and soft steps and started with surprise at finding the hall deserted the chamber where he had been occupied in quieting and soothing the unhappy child was in so distant a part of the castle that he had heard nothing of the knight's hasty departure the chaplain related to him all that had passed and then said but my good rolf 
I much wish to ask you concerning those strange words with which you seemed to lull poor Sintram to rest. They sounded like sacred words, and no doubt they are, but I could not understand them. I believe, and yet I cannot believe. Reverend sir, answered Rolf, I remember that from my earliest years no history in the Gospels has taken such hold of me as that of the child possessed with a devil, which the disciples were not able to cast out. But when our Saviour came down from the mountain where he had been transfigured, he broke the bonds wherewith the evil spirit had held the miserable child bound. I always felt as if I must have known and loved that boy, and been his playfellow in his happy days, and when I grew older, then the distress of the father on account of his lunatic son lay heavy at my heart. It must surely have all been a foreboding of our poor young Lord Sintram, whom I love as if he were my own child, and now the words of the weeping father in the gospel often come into my mind. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, and something similar I may very likely have repeated to-day as a chant or a prayer. Reverend Father, when I consider how one dreadful imprecation of the Father has kept its withering hold on the sun, all seems dark before me. But, God be praised, my faith and my hope remain above. Good Rolf, said the priest, I cannot clearly understand what you say about the unhappy Sintram, for I do not know when and how this affliction came upon him. If no oath or solemn promise bind you to secrecy, will you make known to me all that is connected with it? Most willingly, replied Rolf, I have long desired to have an opportunity of so doing, but you have been almost always separated from us. I dare not now leave the sleeping boy any longer alone, and to-morrow, at the earliest dawn, I must take him to his father. Will you come with me, dear sir, to our poor Sintram? The chaplain at once took up the small lamp which Rolf had brought with him, and they set off together through the long vaulted passages. In the small distant chamber they found the poor boy fast asleep. The light of the lamp fell strangely on his very pale face. The chaplain stood gazing at him for some time, and at length said, Certainly from his birth his features were always sharp and strongly marked, but now they are almost fearfully so for such a child, and yet no one can help having a kindly feeling towards him, whether he will or not. Most true, dear sir, answered Rolf, and it was evident how his whole heart rejoiced at any word which betokened affection for his beloved young lord. Thereupon he placed the lamp where its light could not disturb the boy, and seating himself close by the priest, he began to speak in the following terms. During that Christmas feast, of which my lord was talking to you, he and his followers discoursed much concerning the German merchants, and the best means of keeping down the increasing pride and power of the trading towns. At length Bjorn laid his impious hands on the golden boar's head, and swore to put to death, without mercy, every German trader whom fate, in what way soever, might bring alive into his power. The gentle Verena turned pale, and would have interposed, but it was too late, the bloody word was uttered, and immediately afterwards, as though the great enemy of souls were determined at once 
to secure with fresh bonds the vessel thus devoted to him, a warder came into the hall to announce that two citizens of a trading town in Germany, an old man and his son, had been shipwrecked on this coast, and were now within the gates, asking hospitality of the lord of the castle. The knight could not refrain from shuddering, but he thought himself bound by his rash vow and by that accursed heathenish golden boar. We, his retainers, were commanded to assemble in the castle yard, armed with sharp spears, which were to be hurled at the defenceless strangers at the first signal made to us. For the first, and I trust the last time in my life, I said no to the commands of my lord, and that I said in a loud voice and with the heartiest determination. The Almighty, who alone knows whom he will accept and whom he will reject, armed me with resolution and strength, and Bjorn might perceive whence the refusal of his faithful old servant arose, and that it was worthy of respect. He said to me, half in anger and half in scorn, Go up to my wife's apartments. Her attendants are running to and fro. Perhaps she is ill. Go up, Rolf the Good, I say to thee, and so women shall be with women. I thought to myself, Jeer on, then, and I went silently the way that he had pointed out to me. On the stairs there met me two strange and right fearful beings whom I had never seen before, and I know not how they got into the castle. One of them was a great, tall man, frightfully pallid and thin. The other was a dwarf-like man, with a most hideous countenance and features. Indeed, when I collected my thoughts and looked carefully at him, it appeared to me... Low moanings and convulsive movements of the boy here interrupted the narrative. Rolf and his chaplain hastened to his bedside, and perceived that his countenance wore an expression of fearful agony, and that he was struggling in vain to open his eyes. The priest made the sign of the cross over him, and immediately peace seemed to be restored, and his sleep again became quiet. They both returned softly to their seats. "'You see,' said Rolf, "'that it will not do to describe more closely those two awful beings. Suffice it to say that they went down into the courtyard, and that I proceeded to my lady's apartments. I found the gentle Verena almost fainting with terror and overwhelming anxiety, and I hastened to restore her with some of those remedies which I was able to apply by my skill, through God's gift, and the healing virtues of herbs and minerals. But scarcely had she recovered her senses, when, with that calm holy power which, as you know, is hers, she desired me to conduct her down to the courtyard, saying that she must either put a stop to the fearful doings of this night, or herself fall a sacrifice. Our way took us by the little bed of the sleeping Sintram. Alas, hot tears fell from my eyes to see how evenly his gentle breath then came and went, and how sweetly he smiled in his peaceful slumbers. The old man put his hands to his eyes and wept bitterly, but soon he resumed his sad story. As we approached the lowest window of the staircase, we could hear distinctly the voice of the elder merchant, and on looking out, the light of the torches showed me his noble features, as well as the bright, youthful countenance of his son. "'I take Almighty God to witness,' cried he, "'that I had no evil thought against this house. But surely I must have fallen unawares amongst heathens. It cannot be that I am in a Christian knight's castle. 
and if you are indeed heathens, then kill us at once. And thou, my beloved son, be patient and of good courage. In heaven we shall learn wherefore it could not be otherwise. I thought I could see those two fearful ones amidst the throng of retainers. The pale one had a huge curved sword in his hand, the little one held a spear notched in a strange fashion. Verena tore open the window and cried in silvery tones through the wild night, my dearest lord and husband, for the sake of your only child, have pity on those harmless men. Save them from death, and resist the temptation of the evil spirit. The knight answered in his fierce wrath, but I cannot repeat his words. He staked his child on the desperate cast. He called death and the devil to see that he kept his word. But hush, the boy is again moaning. Let me bring the dark tale quickly to a close. Bjorn commanded his followers to strike, casting on them those fierce looks which have gained him the title of Bjorn of the Fiery Eyes, while at the same time the two frightful strangers bestirred themselves very busily. Then Verena called out with piercing anguish, "'Help, O God, my Saviour!' Those two dreadful figures disappeared, and the knight and his retainers, as if seized with blindness, rushed wildly one against the other, but without doing injury to themselves or yet being able to strike the merchants who ran so close a risk they bowed reverently towards verena and with calm thanksgivings departed through the castle gates which at that moment had been burst open by a violent gust of wind and now gave a free passage to any who would go forth the lady and I were yet standing bewildered on the stairs when I fancied I saw the two fearful forms glide close by me but mist-like and unreal. Verena called to me, "'Rolf, did you see a tall pale man and a little hideous one with him pass just now up the staircase?' I flew after them, and found, alas, the poor boy in the same state in which you saw him a few hours ago. Ever since, the attack has come on him regularly at this time, and he is in all respects fearfully changed.' The lady of the castle did not fail to discern the avenging hand of heaven in this calamity, and as the knight, her husband, instead of repenting, ever became more truly Bjorn of the fiery eyes, she resolved, in the walls of a cloister, by unremitting prayer, to obtain mercy in time and eternity for herself and her unhappy child. Rolf was silent, and the chaplain, after some thought, said, I now understand why, six years ago, Bjorn confessed his guilt to me in general words, and consented that his wife should take the veil. Some faint compunction must then have stirred within him, and perhaps may stir him yet. At any rate, it was impossible that so tender a flower as Verena could remain longer in so rough keeping. But who is there now to watch over and protect our poor Sintram? The prayer of his mother, answered Rolf. Reverend sir, when the first dawn of day appears, as it does now, and when the morning breeze whispers through the glancing window, they ever bring to my mind the soft beaming eyes of my lady, and I again seem to hear the sweet tones of her voice. The holy Verena is, next to God, our chief aid. And let us add our devout supplications to the Lord, said the chaplain, and he and Rolf knelt in silent and earnest prayer by the bed of the pale sufferer who began to smile in his dreams. End of chapter 2